Uh, Pentecost. It's a word that for people who grew up in church, uh, if you grew up in a more charismatic attitude, like this is home for you. This is Super Bowl for you. You've been warming up your tambourine since Easter, uh, just waiting to get at Pentecost. And if you grew up more conservative, more Baptist, more like like we buckle these things down, like that guy right there, you are shaking more than a six-year-old on the high dive. Uh, but for all of us, this is a good day for us because whether or not you're a Christian, this explains so much of the how behind the what that flows out of our life. This is the how, because the church is not shaped on people like you and me white-knuckling it and pressing in headlong into life saying, I'm going to make a difference. That creates brokenness. That creates a wake of destruction behind us. What changes the world is the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of people like you and me through what the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the way that Jesus refers to it as. And through that, God changes everything. Through that, God changes everything. Because it's not just you and me living our lives anymore. It's Jesus coming inside of us and Jesus living through us. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is God's strategy to save the world. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is God's strategy to save the world. We're going to be in the first couple pages of the book of Acts right now. So if you flip to the New Testament or go to that on your Bible app, if you're looking at you version, it's the full name. It's Acts of the Apostles, uh, which nobody's in trouble. Usually when they use the full name, somebody's in trouble. Uh, but here, this is Acts of the Apostles. We're going to be a little bit in chapter one and a little bit in chapter two. But what we're going to read right now in chapter one, Jesus has already done all of his amazing Jesus things. He's lived the life that we could never live. He died the death that we should have given, that we should have died. And then Jesus was risen from the dead after being completely, thoroughly three days dead. He's now walking around, talking to people like you and me. The only difference is, is he's got holes in his hand and a huge wound in his side from where he died, but now he's alive. And so Jesus decides, and what God's plan all along was is that the people needed something other than information. They needed something beyond just more time with Jesus. They needed Jesus inside of him. And so it says this uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in my first book, Theophilus, I told you everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So right there, the 11 apostles that are still around Jesus, they've got three things. First, they got a lot of rules. Right? Jesus says, right, Luke, the guy who's writing this, says that he talked to them often about the commands. They're going back to look at the commands. But Jesus says, okay, now that they know a lot of commands, they're not done yet. They're not ready yet. So instead, what does he say? Is it is beyond after the commands? He's saying they've got a lot of evidence. This is 40 days of walking around with a guy who used to be dead. So it's not like he was just a little bit dead and then he came back and you know, not like he's back on the machines and all that stuff. No, he is fully 40 days walking around. So they've got a lot of rules. They've got a lot of evidence. And then it says that Jesus talks to them about the kingdom of God. So they also have a lot of like vision. This is what the church, this is what the world is supposed to look like. And Jesus looks at that and says, it's not enough. They need something more. 
For you and me, our lives aren't going to be filled to overflow the goodness of God just by having all the right answers, just being able to debate and own our atheist friends, or even if you are an atheist, it's not just about you having all your questions answered. It's not just about a picture of what life is supposed to be like we're running for office or something. Jesus is saying that what we need is in a moment with the Lord. We need a filling of the Holy Spirit because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is God's plan and being baptized with the Holy Spirit is when a believer in Jesus Christ receives extraordinary power for Christ-exalting ministry. That's when we're ready. We're not ready with answers. We're not ready with explanations. We're ready when we have experienced the power of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. And up to this point, Jesus looks at the 11 guys who are entrusted to change the world, and he says, they're not ready. Like, we've seen what it is when little kids think they're ready for something. I remember when I was 12 and Jurassic Park came out, and like, I didn't grow up being able to watch scary movies or anything. So the moment when the dinosaur like came and started like chasing the Jeep in the first Jurassic Park movie, I was there in the theater with my dad after convincing him, I can do this, I can handle this. And right after that, I'm running to the back and crying in the hallway because I wasn't ready yet. Anybody else with me on that? It might not have been Jurassic Park, but the moment where you're like, I can do scary movies, and then you quickly realize, nope, can't do scary movies. <laughs> we, were, uh, we were out to eat this week. Uh, and you know sometimes, so my name is Ken Wilkinson. You don't need the first name or the last name. You can just kind of go one or the other, and it works. Uh, you're probably like that too. Root beer isn't like that. Uh, Micah had spent the week drinking a lot of root beer, and he decided, you know what, I'm going to call it by its last name, because that's what Ken does with Garza, and you know, that works well. So Micah, not Micah Kavala, who's well of age, this is Micah, my son, who is seven, uh, we get up to the counter, and he asks Anna, my wife, Mom, can I have a beer? <laughs> Just the last name. It works for Garza. <laughs> Thankfully, the server didn't hear. Everything's good. But he's not ready. Definitely not ready. And as his dad, he wants him to make good decisions. He's never going to be ready. But this is the moment where Jesus looks at his disciples. He's like, they're not ready. They need something else. And so he says in verse 4, he says, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus saying, in a few days, this is going to happen. You've been baptized in water. If you're here, you're a follower of Jesus, you're outside of junior high, I want to challenge you to get baptized on the second Sunday. In June, it's going to be a party after church anyway. We'd love to have you get baptized on that day too. But in that moment, you go down underwater, you come back up, and everything on you is dripping. You are fully wet. And Jesus is saying, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be drenched in that you're going to drip the Holy Spirit. You're going to be immersed and come back different, cleansed, changed because of the Holy Spirit. Without it, you're not ready. And so Jesus looks at his guys and he tells them outright, plain as day, making it abundantly clear to them. He says in verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Up to this point, you're not ready. But after this, you're going to receive power through the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is Christians like you and me. If you're here and you claim to be a Christian, if you're not, this is a picture of how we do everything that we do. You're going to be my witnesses. And you will tell people everywhere about me. 
in Jerusalem, the city that they lived, throughout Judea, that means the surrounding areas, in Samaria, those places that you never go to, that's so far off the reservation, Jesus says, that's mine and I'm sending you. And even to the ends of the earth, you're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit and that's gonna make a difference everywhere that you go and in every single part of you. And then it happened. On the day of Pentecost, 50 days after resurrection, so Jesus was there for 40, he ascended into heaven and told the guys, wait, something is gonna happen. A reason for you to stay is going to happen. And this happens in Acts chapter two, verse one. This is on the day of Pentecost. All the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it brings closeness with God. It brings power from God, and it brings a mission from God. Let's unpack those things. It brings closeness with God. It brings power from God and a mission from God. The first one of those is closeness. That's where God comes to know us. This is the plan. This is the pattern of God moving from just being this distant thing that we think about, that we talk to, that is way out there to moving inside of us where God knows us, and we know God. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, I'm walking into the grocery store, and this is right when like we have, I haven't adjusted in my head that you're going to be around people you don't recognize, but you call them friends because you think that their eyes are theirs. Uh, and I'm walking into the grocery store, and, and this lady gets stopped because I don't, I don't remember what it was, um, but she's got a hat, glasses, and a mask on, as, and as I'm walking in, she's like, hi, I know you, and I just say, I don't know you, and I keep walking because realistically, I have no clue who she is. I found out who it was inside. I've known this lady for 10 years. But based on glasses, like sunglasses, not like reading glasses, sunglasses, hat, mask, no clue who she is. Individual. Like that, that's her in my book. You know, the Holy Spirit is God moving inside of us and God knowing us completely. The pattern of God moving and working with people throughout the book that he wrote, he starts off as this thing that just hovers everywhere and he drops in in places where he wants to speak to people. He gathers a nation and they leave out of Egypt like we sang about and then God builds it. God tells them, I want you to build a tent somewhere where I can live and you can take me with you everywhere you go. And so they do that nomad thing and, and they do it before it was winning Oscars and, and eventually they settle and so God says, okay, build me a temple. So they build this magnificent temple and God lives in the temple. The thing like every building is eventually it's gonna crumble, eventually it's gonna fall down. And so the temple falls down, and God's people were convinced that they had lost God, that he's gone. The temple no longer exists. So God, where, is, where does he live? And so God puts on skin, and God moves into the world in the person of Jesus. And now everything that God would do, every way that God would teach and communicate and demonstrate love to people, that was all done through Jesus. And so Jesus is now the embodiment of God. And so Jesus dies for our sins. Jesus rises from the dead three days later. And then Jesus ascends to heaven. And the question is, okay, where's God? Because God used to be walking around as a person with skin on to teach us everything how to do. And God says, I'm going to do something so much better. I'm going to move from the tent to the temple, to the human, and now move inside of you through the Holy Spirit. It's God with us in a way that's intimate, in a way that's close. So verse 211, the people run out of the building speaking languages that they don't know because the Holy Spirit gifts them this ability 
And the bystanders, the people who were there from all different nations, it was a big festival, it was a party time in Jerusalem. So people from all over come to Jerusalem, and now their languages are being spoken, and God is being glorified in people's languages that they already speak. And so the bystanders, they say this, here we are, Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phygria, Pamphylia, Egypt, so many places. And we all hear these, place, these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. This closeness with God is coming out of people's mouths and coming out of their voices because they're glorifying God because of who he is and what he's done inside of them. It's a closeness that spills over. What's the phrase? Jesus says you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's going to be dripping off of you that's different than the way you were before because you're no longer going to drip yourself. You're going to drip the Holy Spirit. You're going to be drenched in the Holy Spirit. It's going to make a difference. And the difference is made in these people is words of prophetic praise and they're giving honor and glory to who God is in languages that they don't know. The second thing is power from God. It's extraordinary power for Christ-exalting ministry. Like that's what we keep talking about. And this, this comes from God. It's not because they took a course. It's not because they just decided, I'm going to do this enough that now I'm going to be different. And the phrase that's used, the words that they, that they use in this is something that had been said hundreds of years before through a prophet named Joel. Joel was a guy who, who was a prophet. That means that he hears things from God and he tells them to the people that he's supposed to tell them to. And Joel's language is this. He says in 17 and 18, He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. What does that mean, this prophecy? What does that mean? That means we're relaying messages from God to people. In tongues, the the unknown languages that the people burst out of the room and they're speaking that we talked about in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that that part that we read a little while ago. That's a language that God gives us. Sometimes it's an earthly language. Like sometimes, boom, you can learn Taiwanese because God just drops that on you. You don't understand it. But the Holy Spirit speaks through you in that language. It's something that we use when we're praying alone because nobody has to understand us except for God. It's not something that'd be translated word for word, sound for sound, syllable for syllable, but it's our heart connecting through God and the medium by which God is using that is a language that we don't know. When we know that we need to pray for something, but we don't know what to pray for, like is talked about in the book of Romans, we pray in tongues because that's our heart saying, okay, God, I want your will to be done through me, even if I don't know what that looks like. When we're praying for people and it's not gonna weird them out, it's not gonna be something dangerous, we can pray for them in tongues. Because we're saying, okay, God, you know the situation, you know the person, I don't know what to pray for, so I'm just going to pray in the spirit, in tongues, that your will is going to be done in this situation. That's what it is. It's communicating with God. And and if you have any type of past, it's communicating with God in a language you've never lied in, a language you've never sworn in, a language you've never gossiped in. It's pure language between you and God that's meant to build you up. Like so many things about being a Christian are us dying to ourselves. We're a cup that's meant to be spilled out, dumped out for everybody else. And God says, here in this, this is something for you to be encouraged. This is something for you to be edified in and you to be built up in. 
So it's power, power that sometimes we don't understand, but we're not based on our understanding. We're living a life based on who God created us to be and wants us to step into. And so sometimes we'll step into stuff before we understand it because we trust God more than we trust our own ability to think through things. So there's closeness, there's power, and lastly, there's mission. I mean, the book is called Acts of the Apostles, but it really should be Acts of the Holy Spirit because the book is all about the Holy Spirit taking control of people, not leading them to do stuff that they don't want to do and don't understand doing, but giving them power they don't have to do things that God has already put on their heart. So God changes the, the hearts of the, the 11 followers of Jesus at that point. He changes their hearts to love and care and serve and tell people that they used to be afraid of about who Jesus is. So you read the end of that Acts chapter 2. You know, it starts with tongues of fire coming on people, and then they run out, and they're speaking languages they don't understand. Everybody's, what's going on? This chapter ends with these 11 people who are totally backwards and and wanting to control everything themselves, leading a church of 3,000 people because somebody decided to stand up and tell everybody about who Jesus was, and 3,000 people said, okay, yeah, I'll follow him. I'll get baptized. It's a power to take over our hearts, send us on mission. And that resulted in 3,000 people growing in generosity and growing in service and the church as we know it today being born. We're not here today if that didn't happen back then because that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's people like us being filled with incredible power to go out and make Jesus known. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is received by faith and is the outflow of our relationship with God. It's received by faith, and it is the outflow of our relationship with God. Let's think about this, okay? Jesus was a man who had skin and bones and was tangible. You could touch him. You could talk to him. You could feel his breath on your skin if he's talking really close to you. He's in heaven now. So we're not going to physically interact with him. God cannot be in the presence of sinners. And if any human is ever with God, they're going to die. So we can't interact with that. The way that we have a relationship with God is through the Holy Spirit. It's exclusively through the Holy Spirit. That is the way that God moves into our lives and brings us into relationship with him. It's through the Holy Spirit. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what we're asking for today, what I'm challenging you in today, how we're going to end today is an outflow of a relationship that already exists between us and God. For you, again, if you're here, you're not a Christian. You're thinking, what is this all about? Is this rules? Is this just a lifestyle? No, it's so much better than that. It's God moving into your heart to change your desires and change the way that you do life. And he's saying, you, every part of you now is mine. So I'm going to fill you, and I'm going to change you from the inside of you to the outside of you. We're different now, not because you're different, but because I'm going to make you different. And then tomorrow, when you wake up and you're like, I can never do that again, we're going to do it again. It's God continuing to live and exist and grow inside of us. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit received by faith is the outflow of our relationship with God, and it starts with surrender. So in a little bit, we're gonna, the worship team is going to come up. We're going to sing some more songs, and the prayer usher is going to be on the side. And they're there because they want to pray for you today for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you're thinking, I've seen the movies, my head's going to pop up and fly around, and my eyes are going to roll back into my head, like, I'm not doing that today. That was what I thought, too. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. But God's a gentleman. God's not a bully. 
And God's also not going to embarrass you just to make you squirm. He's the best friend you could ever have. And sometimes we need friends who know more than we do, who are going to lead us into stuff that we don't always understand. So we're going to start with surrender. Well, what do I do? Good news. You already have your body with you, so you have everything you need. You're going to start with your mind. You're going to say, God, I give you my mind. I want to think the way that you think. I give you my ears. I want to hear you. I give you my eyes. I want to see the world, good things and bad things, the way that you see them. I give you my voice because I want to say words that are from you. I give you my heart to care about the things that you care about. I give you my sexuality to be used the way you created it to be in marriage. I give you my feet to go everywhere where you send me. I'm surrendering everything I am to you. We start with surrender and then we go to repentance. Repentance, that's U-turn. You know, where are the areas in our life where we need to make a U-turn? And for all of us, that could be like an eight-hour thing. We got two songs. So we're asking, this is great for us guys because we're going to get right to the point, okay? Where have I offended you, Holy Spirit? Where have I said, that's weird, that's not for me, that's crazy, those people are dumb, this is so crazy. Where have I offended you? And the thing is, is, is I say this all the time, so if you've heard this before, you get five bucks. Jay will pay you later. God's a butcher, God's a shepherd, he's not a butcher, so you bring something to him, and you're like, man, I've, I've messed up in this. Is he going to cut your head off for being wrong? No. He's going to say, okay, this is where we go. This is how we get back to, back to right. This is, let's get back to restoration. So we say, okay, God, this is where I've messed up. We make that U-turn, and we'd say, this is what I've messed up in, and this is what the right thing looks like. This is what honoring you looks like. This is what uh, giving you space to work in my life looks like. So we surrender, repent, and, this is, and then we ask. We say, this is what I would like to receive today. If you want the gift of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues, that's where you say, God, I would like the gift of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues. Why? I said, God, the Holy Spirit is, is a gentleman. He's not a bully. He's not going to push you. He's not going to embarrass you. But he's going to answer us, and he's going to answer in the things that we ask for. So, you know, it'd be really easy to say, God, I want to be a better example at work today. Okay, what's that look like? God, I want to have more patience. What's that look like? We're asking for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so that from us comes the fruit of the Spirit and miraculous abilities to do stuff we couldn't otherwise. So if we say, God, I want to be able to speak words of prophecy over people, ask for that. God, I want messages from you for people. Ask for that. God's very, very clear. He says, ask and you will receive. Do we receive everything we ask for? Thankfully, no. But he says, ask. And so this is our moment to boldly ask. And then we yield. What that looks like is you do that here now. So if you're asking for words of prophecy, like I talked about messages from God for the church, then you speak one of those out. Just say, okay, God, give me a message from Mountain View Sunnyside right now. And then you speak that out with the pressure that you're praying with. The good news is they all know me. So whatever you say is not going to be the craziest thing they've ever heard. But you do that now. We live this out now. We don't just like get a new toy, put it on the shelf, and come back to it next year. We're going to work it out now. If you're asking for the gift of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues, then you begin to move your, your voice. You begin to speak. And if it's words of the phrases that are coming out that you don't understand, that's the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. 
If you're asking for the ability to heal or anything like that, ask God, okay, who's the broken person I need to go pray for? We're doing it now. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the filling of believers for God-exalting ministry. It's living in God's power, not our own. And so we're not going to run back from that. We're not going to shrink back from that. Today, we want to be men and women who step into it. We want to be a church that leans into what God is doing in the Holy Spirit even to the point that it seems a little different for us, even to the point where it seems scary for us because we trust God more than we trust our own ability to do anything and our ability to control our situation. So let's stand, and the worship team is going to come up for our ushers. You can go to the sides. So Jesus, I thank you today that you love us. I thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit on plan, on purpose, on mission. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are alive today. You are well today. And you want to move and bring glory to God through our campus today. If you're here today and your first step in this is to begin a relationship with Jesus, to ask him to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins, to change you from the inside of you to the outside of you, I want to give you that chance today. You're not saying you're perfect. You're agreeing with every other Jesus follower in here that down to the individual, we are all sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus is our Savior. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three, and when I say three, if today's your day to say yes to Jesus, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand, and as we close, someone's going to pray for you, and it'll be the best decision you could ever make. So one, God loves you. He always has. He always will. Today, he's calling you into a relationship with him. Two, there are things in all of our lives, mine included, where we run away from God, where we sin, where we do things our way. That creates separation between us and God because God can't be in the presence of sin. And so God sent Jesus into the world to pay for our sin and bring us into relationship with God. And three, none of that makes any difference until you claim it for yourself. So is there anyone like that here today? Or today's your day to say yes to Jesus. Okay, I see you where you are, and someone's going to pray with you today as we close. Is there anyone else where today is your day to say yes to Jesus? If that's you, just look at me and raise your hand, and someone's going to pray with you. All right, so the prayer ushers are there on the side. We want to step into the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. We want to receive power. We want to receive gifts. God, we declare today we trust you. We are excited for what you want to do in us and through us. So even when we're resistant, even if we're thinking, you know, I should, but I can't, I'm not going to do it. God, I pray that you lead us by the warmth of your presence. Remind us of you as a trustworthy God, a God who can be understood and a God who is inviting and a God who is loving. Remind us of that. Let's worship and respond.
Would you pray with me?